You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, I got to tell you, there is a trend that is sweeping the nation right now. And uh, it's pretty interesting, to be completely honest with you. The trend, if you haven't noticed, is this thing where... Not, not, it's not like planking necessarily, but what happens is people report news that we already knew, call it breaking news, everybody freaks out about it, and it's a major thing. We've talked about it many times on the podcast. It's happened twice in the past probably 24 hours. Number one, massive breaking report via Ian Rappaport and Schefter, and everybody, probably because it was already available information. The Green Bay Packers would be willing to work with Rodgers if the decision was made that he wanted to be traded. Crazy. We already knew this. This was already information that we were operating with. But apparently, Ian and those guys didn't know it, didn't know it was a thing, found out it was a thing, reported it, and everybody's freaking out. And what's crazy is even Packers guys are freaking out about it. Like, whoa, confirmation. Guys, this, is, this has been common knowledge for a long time. I mean, what did we think was going to happen if Aaron Rodgers decided he was going to be traded? I mean, since I've never heard anybody say, yeah, but the Packers won't trade him. Do you know why? Because they've already made it clear that if that's the plan, then that's the plan. That's why nobody's even suggested it. Well, they won't let him go if he wants to be traded. No, that's not a thing. It's never been a thing. And then Pat McAfee says that Aaron Rodgers will be on the show with him on Tuesday. Everybody loses their mind. You know why? Because they have no apt, they have absolutely no comprehension of information. Aaron Rodgers says he's going to go on a darkness retreat after the Super Bowl. He didn't say the second it's over. He just said after the Super Bowl. I don't know if you guys know this, but November is after the Super Bowl. I don't know what the requirements are to get into journalism school, but I would assume reading comprehension would be somewhere near the top. Good Lord. I even brought this up on the podcast. I said, did he give us a timeline? I I haven't seen it. Has anybody heard a timeline? We don't know when. We just know sometime after. And I made a joke, it's going to be like a month after. Now, I'm assuming it's this week, but we don't know. And because people have no earthly idea how to think and read, and understand, and they just make wild assumptions based on no information. We end up in this crazy world where everybody's freaked out about, wait a minute, you're supposed to be on a darkness retreat. You told us that after the Super Bowl you were going to do it, and now you're going on Pat McAfee on Tuesday, and I don't understand. Bro, we never had a timeline. I don't know who told you what the timeline was, but it wasn't Aaron Rodgers. To my understanding, Rodgers never said I will be going on a darkness retreat one hour after the Super Bowl, or one day, or one week, or one year. He didn't say anything. There is no breaking news. For the 500,000th time, 
Again, we assume it's soon after the Super Bowl, and we assume that he will have an answer after the Super Bowl, but we don't know if he's going to have his answer, or I mean, after the the darkness retreat. We don't know if he's going to emerge with an answer. Maybe he's going to emerge with a new sense of self and clarity and and way of seeing the world, and then he's going to want to take a couple weeks to really review and revisit the situation with his newfound views of the world. I don't know. Nobody knows. We assume, but we don't know. And if Rogers emerges from his tomb somewhere out in Germany and um, doesn't have an answer, it's not breaking shocking news. Rogers has changed his mind and will not give an answer. Never said he was going to. It's actually kind of an interesting thing. You make up information that isn't true or make assumptions about things. And then when it doesn't happen, you call it breaking news. Like, if I just went on Twitter right now and was like, breaking news, turns out the Chiefs did win the Super Bowl, despite the controversy over the hold and the reports that it was going to be overturned. Like, what are you talking about? Well, the Chiefs, dude, they won the Super Bowl. Yeah, I know they won the Super Bowl. That's crazy. Did you not see the controversy? Yeah, I don't know. What? 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 (laughs) What? Oh, boy. I will say this, though. Um, I actually had a dream that we traded Rodgers, if that isn't crazy enough. And I'll be honest. I think I personally am severely underestimating how crazy that's going to be. Now, to be fair, I was asleep when this happened, and I do crazy stuff in my dreams and have all kinds of weird thoughts and make all kinds of stupid decisions and whatnot. So I don't want to pretend like this is me in full consciousness or anything, but I was really... I feel like I'm Aaron Rodgers right now explaining like this experience that I had where I was had a vision. But I did have emotions in my dream. And it was almost as if I was sad that everything was leaving. In other words, the Rodgers drama isn't going to end, but it's not my business anymore. You know, like the he's going to leave, let's just say And let's just say it's the Jets. I know a lot of people think it's stupid. It doesn't matter. It's just for the argument's sake. He goes over there, which, of course, is the media, NFL media in particular, but media um, capital of the world. So they're going to eat it up even more than they did here. And it's just going to be a nonstop frenzy. I mean, have you ever noticed how much some of these podcasts and shows talk about the Jets, despite the fact nobody gives a crap about them and never has? It's because they're all from New York. If Rodgers is there, it is going to be nonstop Rodgers talk but I'm not involved in it anymore. It's a them thing, not an us thing. Nobody nobody cares about us anymore. They never wanted to talk about the Packers. They're the least interesting team in football. They were, We are the definition of flyover country. There are no celebrities here. Nobody cares. Nobody ever liked Jordan Love. That was considered a bad pick. Nobody respects Matt LaFleur, despite the fact that he's earned it. Nobody respects Brian Gutekunst, the fact that he's deserved it. The only reason anybody ever talks about the Green Bay Packers is because they win games and they have Aaron Rodgers. And when they leave, we become like, I don't know, I don't want to say the Texans because they're interesting because they suck. I mean, it's like they're that bad. You become like, can't even say the Browns because now they got uh, Watson, but you you get what I'm saying, right? Just this really not interesting team that happens to exist, but it's almost annoying that they do because nobody cares. The Chargers maybe, you know, although they have a quarterback, but they don't, do they even make the playoffs anymore? But you know what I mean? Like, it's just, they just happen to be a team. Kind of like Buffalo before they were good, you know? Like, nobody 
freaking cares? I'm not trying to say that I I know that we're going to be a bad football team. I'm just saying this is how it felt. I didn't recognize how much attention we were getting because of how good the team is and how good Rodgers is and just how much attention he draws. And it's like all eyes are on us all the time. And yes, I say us because we're still a part of it, you know? And I mean, when I do interviews with people, they want me on the show, they talk about Rodgers. Like, what's he going to do? Like, you know, I'm worried about Rodgers and we, what should we be looking for? I, I, you know, if anybody even invites me on their show anymore, it's just going to be kind of out of necessity. Like, well, the Packers are the opponent. I guess we'll talk about it. Like, do you guys got anything going on? Or There's nothing left. We're not interesting anymore. And I guess that shouldn't matter. I just want the team to be good, and that'll be interesting enough in and of itself. But if the team is mediocre, or bad for that matter, it, it goes beyond just the fact that it sucks that we suck. It's like, there's nothing, and I, I, I guess I've just never experienced that. We've always had, like, the superstar, and it's like, yeah, dude, I'm root for the Packers, no big deal. You ever heard of him? Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre? Like, come on, man. Everybody knows. Yeah, you wish you were me. You can't be, though. You root for that garbage over there. Sucks to be you, bro. Now it's going to be like, Packers, what's that? In Wisconsin? What's that? Like, dude, shut up. I mean, we still got Jair, and he's got the swag, and Rashawn's a stud, but every team has studs, with very few exceptions. A lot of trash teams have stars, and some of them are outspoken and do crazy stuff, but eh, I don't know. I, I guess the just the full weight of that, it was almost like I visualized him leaving, and everybody followed with him. You know, it's kind of like you've been at a rave, like you're at this party at your house, and everybody's there, and it's like, dude, this is a banging party. And then, like, the popular guy leaves, and everybody leaves with him, and you're just standing in your house by yourself with, like, one passed out dude on your couch, and you realize that everybody was at your party just because of that guy? and nobody actually likes you, (laughs) that's going to be the media leaving. And as much as we talk trash about them, when they don't care about you anymore, that's going to be lonely. Because they don't. They're not going to talk about the Packers, ever. Even now, all they do is complain that they have to talk about the Packers, that they're forced to talk about the Packers because of stupid Aaron Rodgers, who they hate. They don't want to talk about us. They don't want to acknowledge the football team. We're going to be the Lions. So the point is, we got to be good, man. That was sort of my philosophy with this whole podcast. I don't expect to be liked. I'm not, a, I'm not a super likable, cordial type of person. But if I provide enough good info, like me or not, you're going to have to come over here and see what's going on. You got to make a podcast that cannot be ignored. That was my philosophy going in. Because I'm not going to be something I'm not. I'm, I'm occasionally abrasive and obnoxious and whatever. It is what it is. And you can pretend you don't like me, and you can pretend you don't listen. But if you want to know what's going on, you might want to come over here. That was at least the goal that I set out. I don't know what we've built here today, but it is what it is. But that, the point is, it was the same philosophy that I think the Packers need. They don't want to talk about us. They don't want to acknowledge us. They certainly don't want to fly out here and cover us. But if Jordan Love is for real, if Matt LaFleur can get this thing actually moving the right way and, and operating, and if Gutekunz can stack this team with talent... They got no choice but to stay. You have to stay at my party. Ha 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 get you a shot, man? What you doing? I see you're at my party. You want to dance? You can't leave. Might as well dance. Come home. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's party time. 
So anyways, that's what I need Jordan Love to do. Um, does that make sense? Did you did you follow along with me there? As long as Jordan gets it, we're good. Anyways, moving on to more important things. I saw on the uh, the Instagrams that... Um, and I, actually, I also saw this on Reddit, which I hate to admit that I'm starting to use that, but I found some good stuff on there. Anyways, um, there's been some comparisons with the way that the Packers and the Chiefs handled the departing of top wide receivers, Devontae and, and Tyreek Hill. And the, the bottom line being the Packers have no excuse. They should have invested more in the team or whatever. I don't know how they were going to do that. They had no money, but um, apparently that was a thing. So the point is, they did sort of a side-by-side comparison, and it shows what the Chiefs replaced Tyreek Hill with and what the Packers replaced Devontae Adams with, and they kind of did side-by-side. So they said Mark Quez Valdez-Scantling versus Sammy Watkins, $1.85 million investment in Watkins compared to $10 million in Marquez. Now, to be fair, how much you paid for a player doesn't have anything to do with how much they have given to you. That's point number one. Marquez is not worth $10 million. He was not worth that for the Chiefs. He didn't produce that much over there. Um, beyond that, we don't have $10 million. You want us, I mean, we, we could have paid him $10 million to stay. Would that have helped us win a Super Bowl? Because he was already here. I think that's stupid, but moving on. Juju Smith-Schuster compared to Christian Watson. Second round rookie, $4 million. Which would you rather have? I would rather have Christian Watson. Kadarius Tony versus Romeo Dobbs. Kadarius Toney was just with the Giants and got let go and cost them a third and a sixth round pick, plus they have to pay him. They didn't even list that, but they have to pay him. Romeo Dobbs is a fourth round rookie. Who would you rather have? I'd rather have Romeo Dobbs. And then they have Sky Moore, second round pick compared, compared to Samori Ture. Well, we could switch this around. Obviously, Samori Ture is, is a seventh round rookie, but Sky Moore in the second round compared to Christian Watson, who did a better job. The Packers, by a mile. Sky Moore was relegated to special teams duty. They're both second-round picks. But then it goes on to say, Travis Kelsey, Juju Smith-Schuster, MVS, Mecole Harbin, Kadarius Toney, Sky Moore won a Super Bowl. Christian Watson, Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard, Romeo Dobbs, Robert Tunyon, Sammy Watkins missed the playoffs. Now, I think they did a terrible job kind of making their argument, especially since they left out the part where Travis Kelsey was already there and is clearly the reason that this team was able to do what it was able to do, not including the fact that Pat Mahomes played significantly better than Aaron Rodgers and Andy Reid did a significantly better job and does do a better job of uh, coaching and play calling than Matt LaFleur does. I don't like to admit that, but it's just the reality. So it has... The fact that they believe the Chiefs won the Super Bowl because of Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Juju Smith-Schuster, Kadarius Toney, and Sky Moore is insane. Pat Mahomes, Andy Reid, and Travis Kelsey are the reason that they got to where they got. And again, even if they could have spent the $4 million on a guy like Juju, and maybe that would have been a good addition, the Packers are out of money, dude. They spent it. And they largely spent it on guys that are taking big cap hits because that's how we structured it so that we could have money in the past. Somebody on Reddit was being stupid, by the way. They're like, oh, and by the way, for those who are saying that we can't afford anybody because of Aaron Rodgers, his cap hit was only $7 million. That person's out of their mind. He was the largest cap hit on the team. It was $28 million. But you also had David Bakhtiari and Preston Smith and Kenny Clark and Elton Jenkins and Adrian Amos. And none of these are massively high, but it added up to a bunch of money. And by the way, the dead cap hits, as we've already talked about, were pretty massive. Um, Zadarius Smith 
was earning $11.4 million. Billy Turner was getting almost $6 million dead. Not he, was, he wasn't earning, but it was a $6 million dead cap hit to us. We paid $3 million for Kevin King, $2 million for uh, Robert Tunyon. I don't know how that works, but there you go. Uh, and then $1.5 million for Sammy Watkins. Apparently, when we let him go, we had to pay for it. And there's a bunch of other guys here, too, which adds up to they have the total. $30 million, which we did discuss, but $30.6 million in dead cap hits. You know how much money we had left? $3.4 million. You want to spend $10 million on Marquez freaking Valdez Scantling? We let the guy go. For a reason. He ain't worth $10 million. He was already on the team. Do you not remember? The Kansas City Chiefs, after paying everybody, had $3.3 million. Maybe the reason they had a little bit more money is because they only had $16 million in dead cap hit, which gives them an additional six. They had $16 million more to spend than the Packers did. Well, that's interesting. So MVS was 10, Juju was 4, and then they had to pay for Kadarius and Sky. That's probably about. About 16-ish, and I know that isn't the cap hit. I think they're talking average annual salary. But yeah, there, there you go. And why do we have all those dead cap hits? Because we did so many stupid things with money so that we could have money in the past. That's why we have no money now. That's why we can't afford Juju Smith-Schuster. So again, yeah, well, yeah, you can't blame Rodgers because of his contract. I'm not blaming Rodgers, but that doesn't mean we have money. Where's the money? You want to just keep restructuring everything? This is why we have a $30 million dead cap hit, because you want to keep pushing money around, keep doing stupid stuff, so that we can squeeze Juju in here as though that's going to do anything. Yeah, we and, and we could add second-round rookie Sky Moore <laughs> and Kadarius Tony. Kadarius Tony had 221 yards. Sky Moore had 267. Combined, there were like 500 yards. Christian Watson had more yards and touchdowns than Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore combined. But anyways, the real funny part about this whole thing is that if you look on the uh, actual page on Instagram, do you know who liked this post? Randall Cobb, which I find wildly ironic. Randall Cobb seemingly is agreeing with the complaint that the Packers didn't do enough to add talent. Randall, you do understand you are the problem, right? You are the guy that the Packers should have replaced. You understand that that's what's being said here, right? Miss the pl- Your name is right there, dude. Miss the playoffs. And underneath, what does it say? Christian Watson, Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard, Romeo Dobbs, Robert Tunyon, and Sammy Watkins. So if the Packers had actually done their job and gone out and found talent, you wouldn't be on the team. I'm sorry to tell you, Mr. 400 yards and one touchdown. You would not have been on the team. So sitting here saying, yeah, you guys really should have done more to add talent to to build around me. Bro, no, you're the problem. I love you, Randall. But if we're going to add talent to this team so that we can compete, the people right now that are banging the table for Jackson, Smith, and Jigba, you know why? Because they want to upgrade you, bro. What are you talking about? Yeah, you should have got some better wide receivers. (laughs) Dude. I mean, just, just the... Maybe he did it to be ironic, you know, like, hey, I see this. Thanks for calling me out, but F you. But I don't think so. It feels to me like a level of arrogance that is quite incredible to to have this feeling like, yeah, you should have put better guys out here to help me and, and Rodgers. This isn't a you and Rodgers team. We need better play. 
And if they did have more money and could have brought somebody else in, it would have replaced you. I don't understand this. I just, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm probably reading too much into this, but I've talked before about how the older guys on the team, I can't help but feel like they're a part of this issue and having no self-awareness is part of the problem. Again, the, the team as a whole will not comment on Aaron Rodgers making any mistakes ever. They will not throw Randall Cobb under the bus. They've never done that. I've never heard anybody do that. And anytime they talk about the wide receivers, generally Randall is the one that has to pull him aside and be like, hey, you're not good enough. And again, now we've got this where it's just this attitude of, yeah, like we know what we're doing, but these bunch of idiots, these lower level, not good enough losers, we need some actual people that can compete. And again, I've always said that's kind of Rogers mentality. I don't want to have to coach you up. I want guys that are ready for war right now, ready to go. And if we don't win, it's not because of me. It's not because of Randall. It's not because of Bakhtiari. It's because of these other idiots that don't know what they're doing. There's just this annoying elitist attitude that makes me want to just say, just get out. This is, I'm sorry, dude, this is a team sport. This is not an individualist thing. This isn't like even basketball where you, you can just say, you know what, F you guys, give me the ball and then just dominate the game. It doesn't work that way. And they got to figure out how to get on the same page. This whole like captain mentality, like we're, we're, we're the captains of the team and we set the tone and we, we do all this. And you guys down there just speak when you're spoken to. And then to trash your fellow. I mean, I understand Rogers or Randall's like taking a swing at, at leadership. You know, like these idiots don't know what they're doing. But you're really not. You're, you're trashing Lazard and Watson and Dobbs. And, and again, it's just been the mentality of the team this whole time. Like these guys, even from Matt LaFleur, like these guys got to figure it out. They got to do that. They're freaking rookies, dude. Figure it out. You want to know the difference between the Chiefs and the Packers? The Chiefs figured out how to make it work. That's what, that's what Bill Belichick's done his entire career. Yes, he had Tom Brady, but it's about maximizing your strengths and figuring out how to mitigate the issues with your weaknesses. The, every year I look at the Patriots and I'm like, ha ha, you don't have such and such. All you got is Brady and Gronk and like a couple defenders, and <laughs> but you're not doing anything. And then they win a freaking Super Bowl. Figure it out. Figure out how to be a team first and foremost. You want to talk about a standard? Fine. But elevate everybody to that standard. I'm sick of this like whining mentality of, you didn't do enough to help me. Rogers, like, it's like his entire career has been this attitude of, you know, buying into this narrative that the team has never done enough to support him. Bro, you've had dominant offensive lines and wide receivers your entire freaking career. Shut up. Constant excuses every year with this crap. No wonder you're not going to win because you make excuses all the time. That's why you get to the playoffs and guys like Tunyon are like, we're frauds, we're not good enough. This whiny freaking attitude. I would love it if they just start coming together a little bit, you know? It's never going to happen with this just obnoxious kind of attitude. You know, I don't like the Chiefs because they're successful, but they are the absolute picture of what a team should be. The way they rally around each other. The way Pat plays for his team and his team plays for him. You know, they, they get to the end and they're, they're praising each other. They're praising the defense. They're praising the offensive line. Andy Reid's praising the offensive line. And Pat Mahomes is praising Travis Kelsey as the greatest. And Travis is saying, no, you're the greatest. And praise the defense. And, they do, and, and what are the Packers doing? They're whining about everybody else isn't doing their job. I do my job and you won't do it. It's like my kids. I constantly have to tell them, like, I, I, all I want from you is to do what you know is right and not worry about everybody else. But God forbid... Anybody picks up a toy while somebody else isn't. They both have this like standoff thing where it's like, I'm not doing it if you're not doing it. Like, I want you to pick up the living room. 
And they kind of look at each other like, are you going to do it? Because I'm not doing it if you're not doing it. Because it would be unfair. I shouldn't have to pull my weight while nobody else does. I shouldn't have to do my chores while she doesn't have to, or she didn't do it. She said, why should I have to do it? Because you don't need to worry about everybody else. I'm asking you to do what you need to do and support each other. The right attitude would be, I'm going to do my job. And if you're not going to do yours, then I'm going to do yours too, because it needs to get done. And then let me handle the repercussions of them not doing their job. But I just want you to do what you know is right, regardless of what people around you are doing. And this just incessant whining about everything else not being perfect, and the fans buy into it, and the media buys into it, and the team buys into it, and Randall's over here liking these posts about, yeah, they didn't do enough for us. Meh, meh, meh. Freaking man up and do your job and go win football games and quit freaking whining. It's not Gutekunst's fault that you can't catch the ball. Rodgers is burning the ball in the dirt, and Randall's dropping passes, and Aaron Jones is fumbling the ball, and then they have the audacity to go to social media and say, you didn't get Juju Smith-Schuster. You're right, we should have replaced you. This whining. Well, I couldn't do it because they didn't do this, and if they would have, if I could have had this, and man, man. Really? Because you had Devontae last year and couldn't win. Best wide receiver in football. MVP quarterback. Shut up. When, when, the, when the, the heat comes, when the playoff comes, when the pressure comes, you collapse. You. Whining about everything else in your circumstances. You play like crap when the game is on the line. When we play the Lions, when we play Tampa, when we play the 49ers. The team that shows up, the team that's competent, the team that's confident, they disappear. In our own freaking house in Green Bay, you collapse. And then have the audacity to go on social media and complain that you didn't have enough weapons built around you. You are the problem. You lost those football games. Take some freaking accountability. This isn't a team. This is such a fragmented, I don't know. I just, I don't like it. I don't like the way that the locker room is. I don't like the way that these guys talk. I understand that things are negative when things are going wrong, right? You're not going to see a bunch of positivity, probably. I don't know. The Lions seem to be able to make it work. They, they maintain a positive attitude, and they stick together as a team through adversity because all they ever had is adversity because even in this rise to becoming a great team, they still kind of suck. They still haven't made the playoffs. They struggled to even get a winning record. But they stick together and they believe, and we sometimes, I sometimes forget that they're not like a 14-win team. It's like, you know, they still suck, right? It's like, oh yeah, that's right, I forgot. Because they look so confident, and they play so confident, and they fight for each other and for their coach, and blah, 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 blah. Because it's a freaking team sport. And if you're not going to play for everybody else around you, and help them to grow, and help them to do these things, and take some accountability for your actions when things go wrong, then you don't have a team, and you're not going anywhere. I like Randall, but the Randall era is done. The guy doesn't play well. I don't like the attitude. I don't like the elitism that comes from the Rogerses and the Randalls. I'm sorry, but you got to lower yourself down to the level of the other guys. It's what you need to do. Such an arrogant thing to do to like that post when you are the guy. You are the man. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. Getting biblical with it. Anyways, that, that is a, a, a big focus. And I understand the negatives that come with having a young team, the inexperience and whatnot. Um, you know, I feel like Matt LaFleur has tried to build 
a team that that fully understands what is necessary and try to keep the same guys so that we understand the the plays and the concepts and all that stuff, especially around Aaron Rodgers. And getting younger is going to kind of complicate that, and you're going to have to retool some things. But that is one of the things I'd like Brian Gutekunst to focus on is culture. And I do think that he, he and the staff have focused more on bringing people in that will add to the culture. And they talked about that, and I used to hate that. Used to drive me nuts. I couldn't give a crap. Just make sure they're a good football player. I don't care if they fit into Green Bay culture. Who cares? But I, th- I feel like we're starting to see the difference between a team that can come together and and play as a team and a team that is fragmented, that is unhappy with the organization, that is unhappy with the coaching staff and and the decisions based on the the front office and the coaching staff and the coaching staff and front office seem unhappy with the players and the players in the locker room have sort of segmented themselves and fragmented themselves and there's not a lot of belief, there's not a lot of confidence. It almost feels like a business and it's about execution and it's it's not about passion and desire and heart. And, you know, for some of the guys, it does feel that way and I love it. It's what I love about Jair. He just, he always plays with heart and passion. It means a lot to him. I mean, the DBs and some of the guys on defense, a lot of them have that, that passion. But most of the team, it feels like a business transaction. It's, it's about, you know, executing based on, you know, what, what we've been taught. I mean, it's, it's like you go to school and you learn the process and then you go out into the field and you execute it. And if you didn't do something right, you go back and you understand the, the techniques and it's all very academic. It's about learning the process. And even, you know, again, the Packers are real slow to bring out young guys. Why? Because it's about process, and you don't understand the process, and you don't understand. But it, but you've got a guy with passion and heart that wants to go out and fight and kill and die for you. Let him go do it. Well, he's going to make mistakes. So what? Let him go make mistakes. I want guys on the battlefield that want to fight. Give them a chance. Not everything has to be so academic. Well, they don't quite understand the philosophies behind what we're doing. And All right, do whatever. All I see is results. I see Romeo Dobbs being forced out there, a guy that would have been on the bench if we had had kept Devontae and brought in Juju Dobbs and Watson to be sitting on the bench if we even grabbed him at all, which we probably wouldn't have. But he was forced on the field, and he executed. When he was the only guy there, he dominated. And then when Dobbs went down and Christian was forced onto the field, and they were forced to finally use him as a receiver, as opposed to just relegating him to jet sweeps and wide receiver screens, and look what he was able to do. You drafted him because he is an unbelievably gifted athlete. Go let him be that. These guys should feel empowered that they were brought here because they're physical freaks that can do things that other guys can't. Instead of relegating them over to the sideline and saying, you don't understand the academics of this, therefore you shouldn't be on the field, but we're going to let you on the field because we have no other option. And then when you make a mistake, we're going to treat you like a piece of crap. Rodgers won't make eye contact with you aside from screaming at you for being stupid. And then we go back and talk about execution and the standard and how these guys aren't living up to the standard. Come on, man. Anyways, that's my thoughts on that issue. Um, We'll take a break right here. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy if you'd like to support the podcast. Please consider checking out FertileGroundRanch.org. There is a link pinned right to the top of my Twitter. You can click on that. And uh, any little bit of support uh, would be unbelievably greatly appreciated. So thank you all so much for all the support that we've received so far. And uh, we'll leave it at that. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. 
Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Well, let's briefly go through some of the NFL news before we get into some exciting news. Um, it sounds like Carr is basically going to block any sort of trade attempts. Um, he told them, I'm not interested in being traded to the Saints and all this stuff. Essentially, the reason being he wants to just be cut so he can go make a bunch of money as a free agent. So it sounds like that's what's going to happen, which probably is going to make Carr a little bit more appealing. I'm not going to say more appealing than Aaron Rodgers. It may be, I don't know. But the fact that he doesn't have this contract tied to him and he's just going to be released and they can structure whatever contract they want for whatever amount of money that they want, uh, again, would make him more appealing. Plus, they don't have to give up any draft capital to any teams or anything. They just pay him to come. Although they may have to pay more than what they would have in a trade, but whatever. Um, The Cardinals apparently are struggling to find a head coach. I talked about this before. Coaches or people do not really want that job. Uh, They don't want to go to the Arizona Cardinals probably for multiple reasons. One of them is the quarterback. They are tied to this guy. They cannot get free of him, and nobody wants to work with him, not only because he's not very good and not worth the contract that he got, but because he apparently has some serious issues And uh, as far as you know, not taking football seriously. And he's, this past year, been on camera kind of screaming at the head coach and other people kind of acting irrational and weird. And then, of course, there's all kinds of scandals that went on with the Arizona Cardinals. Did I say Arizona Card? I felt like it was kind of weird coming out for some reason. I'm losing my brains. But kind of a funny situation. Also terrible, but funny uh, because I'm not a Cardinals fan. And it really just goes to show how bad the situation is there. I saw something, I don't know, a couple days ago, week ago, whatever, where they're going to, the Cardinals are going to pause their search for a head coach, which essentially means we tried and nobody's interested and we ran out of names. And so we're going to pretend that we're the ones that broke off the search when in reality, um, it's just kind of going really poorly. But Cliff Kingsbury is off, and he's potentially going to be joining the Ravens now. I don't really know if that's going to materialize, but it's interesting. Obviously, they're going to find somebody eventually. There's going to be someone that'll jump on that opportunity. But it is funny. They're struggling so much to be able to figure that out. Uh, the Lamar Jackson thing sounds like he's going to get tagged, which doesn't mean he's not going to get traded. It's, it's very potentially a tag and trade. But just so we're clear on that situation, you know, they're going to tag him to make sure that he doesn't get free. They're going to try to work with him and plead with him, you know, please don't go take this meager contract that you feel is way under, way beneath you. And we'll see if he eventually breaks and decides to sign it or if he's going to stand strong and try to sign somewhere else. I don't really know. But it doesn't mean he's locked down. Being tagged doesn't mean anything. It just means they're, they're forcing him to stay for a period of time. It's kind of like your girlfriend tells you she wants to break up with you. So you lock the car door so she can't get out. I mean, she's still going to break up with you, and she's probably even more mad at you now. But you have a couple seconds to plead with her before she, you know, unlocks the door or calls the police or smashes the window or, you know, 
pepper sprays you or something. I don't know. You, but you got a you got a window there. You got a brief window to figure that out. Oh, the other interesting thing about Carr, um, he's probably going to get cut like today or something, because today when this podcast goes live is Tuesday, four p.m. Eastern time, three p.m. three p.m. Central time is when he's due forty point four million dollars, which obviously the Raiders are not going to pay that. So he'll have to be, unless they can work out some kind of a trade that he'll agree to, which he won't, he will be cut today, which means there's a good chance that he will be on a team and off the radar before Rodgers ever declares his intentions. And likely that'll be to the Saints, but I don't really know. But the point is, by the time Rodgers is standing there, he'll probably be one of the only guys available because Lamar is not going to be available. The, uh, the Ravens are going to tag him and try to hold on to him, so he's not going to be available. Brady's gone. Uh, I think Carl will probably already be gone. So who's left for the Raiders and the Jets and whoever else is interested to fight over? And by the way, there are reports now um, that multiple teams are screaming for him. Now, the interesting thing is it said the Jets and other teams. See if I can find the report here. Here is what uh, Ian Rappaport had to say on the Pat McAfee show. But the Jets, you know, and a lot of teams, Aaron Rodgers is first, right? I mean, he's he's Aaron Rodgers. So regardless of whether or not he's going to go in the darkness Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, he's still the best quarterback out there. And I think many teams, including the Jets, have him at the top, as he should be. And when he decides they will go to what is essentially the next, that's one thing you get when you're, you know, multi-year MVP and one of the best quarterbacks who's played. And so from that, we get the quote from Pat McAfee, many teams, including the Jets, have Aaron Rodgers as their top choice if he's available. Again, the interesting thing about that is we didn't learn about any teams other than the Jets, which we already knew. So this is either, again, just Ian speculating. You know, I, I think a lot of teams are interested, blah, blah, blah. Or he's saying it, but it's still interesting from the perspective of it definitely benefits the team and probably Rodgers if guys like Ian Rappaport say things like this. You know, why, why can't you name drop just one more team? You're open to mentioning the Jets. Why not somebody else? Probably because he doesn't know about any other teams aside from the Jets. Because, like we all know, the Jets have told us, everybody, what's going on. So I guess the conspiracy theory in me is just wondering if the Packers are trying to gin up a lot of interest by, you know, saying things like, hey man, lots of interest going on over here. It's going crazy. It's the Jets and a bunch of guys. It's like, really? Jets and, and, and who again? Oh man. Like everybody's in on this, man. You're not in on it? Are you crazy? Looks like you're the only one that's not going to win a Super Bowl this year, bud. The only other sort of large market, I guess, that you could expect from anybody would, I guess, be Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't, I mean, the rumor is there's going to be a large market, obviously. That's always the rumor, but I don't know. I don't see that as being a big hindrance to uh, getting maximum value for Rodgers. Anyways, final thing. I wanted to get into uh, the Pro Football Focus draft guide is now officially live. And so I want to go through it just because it's a new thing. Um, And I think what we should do is hit on the most popular prospects for the Packers. Disappointingly, it's not a full rollout. They got some weird um, couple things that are not completed. But whatever, let's go through it. We'll start with our man, Bijan Robinson, because that is the most talked about guy, at least as far as my call-in show, if we were to use that as some kind of a gauge. This is the dude, six foot, 220, big man, no doubt about it. Now, he's a little lower to the ground, which I actually kind of like, and kind of harness that power. Let's read through it. 
A running back has to have rare ability in order for PFF to deem deem him worthy of a first-round selection, but that's precisely what Robinson possesses as a tackle breaker. He forced 104 missed tackles this season, breaking David Montgomery's PFF college record. His career 39% forced missed tackle rate is also tied with Javante Williams for the best since we began charting college football in 2014. Don't overthink this one. Robinson is RB1 and the best running back prospect we've ever seen since at least Saquon Barkley. So what they're saying is he's it, it, it's between him and Saquon Barkley. It's it's one and two, and it's not 100% sure which one is one and which one is two. Got a lot of the stats. We've kind of already looked at some of the stats and whatnot. 95.3 PFF grade, 257 attempts, 1,575 yards, 6.1 yards per attempt, 18 touchdowns, 19 receptions for 314 yards. Um Pros, one of the most gifted athletes you will see at the running back position capable of making cuts you see only from sub-200-pound backs. He's 220. Think about how crazy that is. He's a 220-pound back doing stuff that you really only see from these guys that I usually like that are, you know, 180 pounds that are shifty. You know, the way they can move their body, he's doing it at 220. Like another receiver when he's split wide, and that's a point that I've made before. Some of the most shocking things I've seen him do is make some receptions. And again, if you go watch, just type in Bijan Robinson highlights. It's probably the first one you click on. You'll see him make a reception. It's down the right sideline. He has to spin his body, does a complete 360 in the air, catches the ball, comes down, and just completely in stride. His balance is so stupid. He ranks fourth in yards after contact, number one in missed tackles forced, third in missed tackles forced per attempt, ninth in carries over 15 yards, etc., uh, etc. Et and then it says, where does he win? Robinson has answers for everything. He can run with power, speed, or elusiveness. He set the PFF single season broken tackle record this past fall with 104, which they already said. What is his role? They said feature back. Robinson is more than just a bell cow. He's a back that you make the focal point of your offense. Whether that's 15-plus carries a game or scheming up targets as a receiver, you want the ball consistently in his hands. And then it says, where can he improve? Fumbles. This is about the only thing that really moves the needle negatively with Robinson. His six fumbles on 539 carries would stand to get cleaned up. And it's got the, well, a lot of this is, they've got coming soon, which is is unofficial data on his height, weight, speed. I wish they would just not cover this up so I could at least see what they have, but I guess whatever, it doesn't matter. I am I am very excited to see the combine stuff. Although the combine has been going down lately as far as guys not wanting to do stuff or whatever. Or oh, it's it's because they made it a spectacle where they started doing things and because they wanted it to be a TV event, but now you got guys that are, you know, they're they're resting all day, waiting hours to be able to do stuff until late into the night, and they're worried about cramping and everything else, and it's kind of a disaster. But anyways, uh, you can kind of see some of their grades here that aren't really covered up. It looks like their speed and burst and all that is basically all the way up. Vision and hands is all the way up minus the two bars, so like 8 out of 10 or something, I don't know. But he has a 96.1 rushing grade, and they've got uh, zone and gap. They have him as a better gap runner, which obviously we're a zone team. Clearly he can handle that, but 97 grade on gap running. Wild stuff. Take a look at the wide receivers real quick. Quentin Johnston. I'm sure I, I you know, some people are interested in it. I think Jake Shavink, our draft guy, is is much more of a believer. I need to dig into his thoughts on that a little more. But 6'4, 215. Johnston became a starter by the midpoint of the freshman season for the Horn Frogs. Ended 2020 with two straight hundred part yard hundred plus yard performances against Oklahoma State and Louisiana Tech. Started nine games 2021, finishing big play potential. 
This all set the stage for a dominant 2022 season where the six foot four talent racked up 1,067 yards and six scores, cementing his status as a top prospect. I don't really see that as top prospect numbers, but they're excited about it. Gave him a PFF grade of 76.2. Some of the pros and cons, by the way, his player comp, they have Martavis Bryant. But uh, size, speed, explosive, freak, one of the most physically impressive wide receivers in recent memory. High cut and long limbed, massive target. Unique start-stop ability for a tall receiver shows after the catch. The negatives too often telegraphs vertical routes with one-speed routes. Doesn't utilize the size as a weapon. Gets antsy making plays in traffic. Where he wins explosiveness. Looks like a wind-up toy coming off the line. That's a pretty funny line. What's his role? The X receiver. They see him as sort of that number one. Where he can improve physicality. If he can tap into a size just a little more, Johnson could be one of the most feared receivers in the league. So he's big, but he doesn't always play like it. And then we got to look at our guy, Michael Mayer, obviously. 6'4", 265. Says Mayer was an impact player from the moment he arrived at Notre Dame. He has outsnapped 2021 first-round draft picks Tommy Tremble as a freshman in 2020. He got better every season, ending his career as Notre Dame's all-time reception leader by a tight end, while also developing into one of the top run blockers in the nation at the position. As a complete tight end, he has the size, receiving, and blocking ability that NFL teams covet. He will be just 22 years old when the 2023 NFL draft season kicks off. 92.5 PFF grade, 809 yards, 9 touchdowns. Pros and cons, understands route running, has a little shake to him, shows after the catch as well. Thick boy, 265, and holds it like video game character. Ferocious blocker, out for blood in the run game. I think that's an underrated aspect for Michael Mayer. Um, He doesn't have blazing speed or anything, but he has enough. I would say he has Travis Kelsey speed, um, but is bigger than most tight ends. Again, remember, he is not quite as tall, but he's about as big as Mercedes Lewis, which is insane. He's also pretty shifty. He's got good hands, good route runner, intelligent player, and violent blocker. I'm, I'm just saying all this stuff off the cuff, but I'm just saying that is an underrated aspect because I think for a lot of us, we look at tight end and say, okay, how good of a receiver is he going to be? Which is important, but it would be really awesome if the dude could block like, like crazy, which by the way, I think Washington can do that too. Cons, slow, not a vertical threat by any means. Featured heavily in Notre Dame's scheme, numbers are a touch inflated by the lack of talent around him. Where he wins? Physicality. Mayer's entire game stems from being the aggressor. Whether it's at work as a blocker, the subtle shove to get away from coverage, or an ill-intentioned stiff arm in the open field, Mayer is going to take the fight to the defender. I freaking love that. What's his role? Inline tight end, which would be the Mercedes Lewis role, but theoretically a better receiver than Mercedes was. If you want a tight end who can go head-to-head with defensive ends in the run game while being an option route savant over the middle of the field, Mayer is your guy. That's what he was, uh, that's what he was put on this earth to do. Where can he improve? Speed. Well, good luck with that. So I know speed is something that you can usually not improve. However, Mayer is very young for a top tight end prospect coming out and doesn't have to be 265 pounds. Don't you dare tell him to lose weight. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? Uh, Receiving grade 91.6, run blocking grade 82.1, red zone grade 92.5. I haven't seen that. PFF doesn't make that available in their stuff, but we did talk about his abilities in the red zone and how good he was. Yards per route run, 2.44 yards, which is incredibly high. Contested catch rate, 65.4%. And then I think we'll do one more. Got to look at Mr. Brian Branch. Six foot 193, four-star recruit. Branch had offered from Ohio State, Tennessee, Oklahoma, but committed to Alabama. Started seeing snaps defensively in his freshman season. 
starting in the slot for both uh, both of Crimson's Tide's 2020 college football playoff games. He played 200, uh, 624 snaps in 2021, 37 receptions allowed from 382 coverage snaps. The past season was his best, producing an 89.5 PFF grade while allowing 36 receptions for 416 coverage snaps. Pros, exceptional tackler, best DB we graded in that regard. Four missed on 174 career attempts. That reminds me of Koi Walker. Uh, heavy player, sees game develop at a different speed, perfect for the slot role. Excuse me, that's heady, not heavy. Fearless player who fills in the run game like he's 20 pounds heavier. Meh. Cons, undersized for a player who works primarily around the line of scrimmage. Not the high-end athlete you'd expect from the top prospect. Really only filled slot role, played 101 career snaps as a deep safety. So it is weird to hear them say that he kind of should just be a slot guy, right? That's where he thrives, and also he's a little undersized for that role. Player comp, they have Jimmy Ward. They also, interestingly, do have grades based on the different roles, which is funny, because that's what I've been begging PFF for forever. Uh, And obviously they have that data, but they don't make it available to us. But anyways, his grade while on the line of scrimmage, 66.9. His grade is a deep safety, 63.2. His grade in the box and as a slot guy, he's in the 80s. 85.3 in the box, 82.6 in the slot. So that is where they get that from. As a safety, he's got a 63 grade. So I, I, I don't know. I've never been super big on Brian Branch, and I'm looking at this, and PFF's like, yeah, he's super good, man. I mean, he kind of sucks as a safety, but he's a good slot, although he is a little light to be in the slot uh, up on the line of scrimmage. But, yeah, I mean, he's really good. It's like, I don't know, man. I just, I, I struggle with it a little bit, but who knows? Maybe he's just a super great slot corner, which is usually not something you draft in the first round, but whatever. But um, anyways, I'm going to leave it at that for today. I don't think there's anybody else that we need to look at. So uh, you guys have yourselves a great day. Hopefully we can start getting into some more fun news and notes in the very near future. Talk to you tomorrow or tonight. Bye-bye.